There Is No Godcast is sponsored by Mixed Fabric, the go-to source for all your atheist and skeptic-related t-shirt needs. Mixed Fabric prides itself on ethical sourcing and producing top-quality shirts you'll feel good wearing and feel good buying. Godcast, the official podcast of Northern Indiana Atheists. And now, here's your host, Noah Bush. What's up, failures, and welcome to the Chicken Hut, a CNC fan. I gotcha. I gotcha. Any uh, anybody listening to this who listens to my other show is probably like, wait, wait, what, what the, what the hell? Which, which show did I press play on? Ah, uh, I totally got you. This is, in fact, there is no Godcast, uh, but it is still me, your host Noah Bush. Um, welcome back for our second episode. Yeah, so I've got, a, we have actually got a lot of stuff to get to today. This might be a, a longer than usual episode, and by usual, I mean our one other episode. Um, you know, when, when we first, again, I, I keep saying, I'm, I'm just going to kind of resign myself to saying we, cause it's not like, like I'm the host of the show, but like, you know, we meaning me and the people behind the scenes and the listeners, you know, kind of all of us here at the, uh, the Ting family. Uh, so when we first started really developing the show and talking about the show, I think my goal was to make it more like a 30 minute show. Like really there's, you know, like we don't have a time slot. I can make this show as short or as long as I, you know, basically please, um, but I was kind of under the, I guess, impression that keeping the show to a, a goal of 30 minutes would be a lot more manageable for me. But I think, frankly, I was looking at it probably backwards. It's going to be it's going to probably mo- be more like uh, it'd be really tough to keep ourselves from going over a half hour just because I, you know, t- can just talk infinitely. So, yeah, this today's episode will definitely be at least an hour. Um, spoiler alert. This is one of my favorite expressions. So you'll just have to kind of get used to that, too. Um, so I've already recorded two segments for this. I'm recording this um, based on the magic of post-show editing. This is being recorded after those two segments have already been um, recorded and canned. So, um, But this is just kind of the intro to the show because I want to sort of introduce the segments. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. So on today's agenda, um, we've got a guest. We've got Chad Kripe, um, who is the co-founder of Mixed Fabric, the sponsor of this show, um, he's going to be joining us um, not only to talk about mixed fabric, but also to kind of share his story with us on our new segment, Atheist Storytime. So last week we did Off the Cuff, um, and I got a lot of really good positive feedback about um, Off the Cuff. So I'm definitely going to do that again, where I'll just grab random topics or news of the day um, or just thoughts in my mind where, where non-belief are, is concerned. And I'll just kind of, you know, stream of consciousness style, give you guys my thoughts. And uh, so we're definitely going to do that again. But today... We're going to do Atheist Storytime, and we're actually going to do a double dose uh, of that segment. And Chad is going to be our, our second person to give us his Atheist Storytime, which is just going to basically be, you know, people who want to come on the show. Chad is kind of an interesting case because he sort of came on the show for, for two different reasons. You know, the kind of guests that I plan to have on this show are going to fall into basically one of two categories, um, or sometimes both, like in, in Chad's case. We're going to have guests that, that want to come on from a more personal standpoint 
to just, you know, whether they're local or not, you know, basically just come on the show and share their stories. You know, I, I've always said that I want people to be able to come on this show and share their stories, um, their personal experiences with atheism, whether it's coming out of the closet as atheist or just kind of their journey towards non-belief or really whatever their story is that they want to share. I want people to come on the show. I want listeners to be able to hear these stories and kind of you know, um, find things that they can relate to and just it's something to listen to and to take comfort in as, as a non-believer. So those are going to be um, our Atheist Storytime segments. Then I'm also going to want to have guests on from a more organizational or academic standpoint, you know, guests who represent a particular um, group um, or who want to come on from from an intellectual standpoint to just discuss a particular topic Um you know, like having Troy on as a representative from Northern Indiana Atheist. Chad's coming on the show, obviously, as um, the co-founder of Mixed Fabric, which is an atheist um, t-shirt company, you know, and, and the sponsor of this show. So I certainly wanted to give him a platform to discuss that as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it's going to be. We're going to have a lot of different kinds of segments. You're not going to hear each one on every show, but I like that. You know, I like that we can kind of mix it up week to week. Um, but as I mentioned, we're going to have two editions of Atheist Storytime this week. Um, because it just kind of dawned on me, and you'll hear me explaining this when I cut to the next segment, um, that if I'm going to be asking people to share their stories um, with, with my audience, that they ought to have my story too. Um, and I'll explain some more of that um, at, at great length when we do my Atheist Story Time. So that's what's going to be coming up first um, of our two Atheist Story Time segments today. But first, I want to uh, go over a couple other things right off the top. Um, I want to give an update on the Twitter handle status. Um, I want to thank everybody who reached out. I actually had a lot of people um, contact me with suggestions, um, but there's a bit of a story. So, you know, buckle in and I'll tell you this story, and then we'll get to Atheist Storytime uh, with me. So if, if any of you remember, one of my hopes was to get, um, you know, there is no Godcast as, as the Twitter handle, but it was too long by one character. So my, my immediate thought was at no Godcast. It's, it's nice. It's clean. It's self-explanatory. It's not tough to, you know, for anyone to figure out how to spell. So I wouldn't have to explain it every time. Um, but it was taken. And I thought, well, what about just Godcast? Well, certainly that's taken too. So I turned it over to the listeners and a lot of people, I think four separate people independently of one another suggested there's no Godcast. Just cutting out the I in the word is to, you know, to free up that one space um, to get under Twitter's, you know, limit. And I thought, okay, well, that that had occurred to me. That was one of the things I, I tossed around. But I, just something about it, I didn't like it. I didn't like that it's almost the title of the show, <laughs> minus one letter. Um, because I was actually concerned that if I said, at There's No Godcast, that phonetically it would just sound like the title of the show. And that might be confusing um, I, I would feel like every time I gave the Twitter handle, I, I would have to stop and explain, oh, it's, you know, it's there's no Godcast with no I. And I, I just, that's a whiny thing. It's first world problems. But man, oh man, I just, I didn't really like it. As of the first show's airing, I had, I had started the Twitter under the handle at is no Godcast, which felt equally as weird because it's three quarters of the title of the show. Um, but I thought, well, at least it's more self-explanatory. I won't have to, to spell it out. Um, and I didn't want to have to use underscores or whatever. So anyway, I was talking with um, my friend Jesse, one of our one of one of if not the most loyal listener I have of both of my shows. Um, and I want to give him an incredible shout out because he has always been so incredibly supportive um, and and active within the community of of both of my shows. And Jesse is actually he is a believer. He is not a non-believer, um, but he's he's just the same. He's been very supportive of me. Um, in my pursuit of doing this show, and I just could not give him a stronger shout out. So he and I were chatting, 
And um, I had kind of bemoaned to him um, my plight when it came to the Twitter handle. And I said, you know, I really wanted to have at no Godcast. And he's like, well, then why don't you go see if it's being used? And I said, no, no, it, it is being used. Um, and he said, well, no, I mean, like, go to that page and actually see what it is, see if it's even active. And I was like, oh, my God. I, you're, dude, I don't know why it didn't even occur to me. He's like, yeah, maybe it's just, maybe it's like a dead account. Maybe if you could contact the person who owns the handle and see if they'd be willing to give it up. And I was like, man, oh man, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, I'm certainly not out anything if I, you know, find this person and they say no. Um, so I pull up at no Godcast and I suppose with, with a word like Godcast, it shouldn't have surprised me that it was also a podcast related account. And I was not naive enough to think ever that I was the first person to ever come up with the play on words, po- Godcast instead of podcast. Um, so sure enough, at no Godcast was a, um, a page. And I say was because Jesse totally called it. It was a totally defunct um, page, um, sort of a legacy account for a previous um, atheist-based podcast called um, The No Godcast. Uh, you know, it was very clear from the page. It hadn't been tweeted on for years. Um, but I, I Googled the, the show itself to try and kind of uh, find out who who I ought to talk to about this because I was like, well, if this if this handle is dead, then whoever owns the handle probably isn't checking it, you know. So I anyway, I found out that the guy who um, ran the show and who owned the handle is a guy named Tanner. And um, through some additional googling, I found out that he actually is still heavily involved in podcasting. It's actually his vocation. He runs uh, basically a podcasting service. Um, where they basically they take other people's podcasts and professionally edit and, and sort of produce them, or at least that's my understanding from the website. So I go to the website for his company, and um, it's got, and I'm thinking like I'll go to a contact us page and like find his email, you know, or something like that. And uh, anyway, I they have like one of those chat bots, you know, where it's like, oh, can we help you today? And I thought it would just be like an automated thing, um, but I don't know. I, I just clicked on it. Because it said something like someone is available to chat with you now, and I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is about. Maybe I can get someone who knows who knows Tanner or can point me in his direction. So I click it, and like literally instantly, it says you are now connected with Tanner. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Like, could it could it really be this? E-? I mean, like, this isn't like searching for Sugar Man or anything. I had maybe spent half an hour working on this, but still, I was like, wow. It, I was like almost kind of in disbelief. I was like, hey, is you know, and he was like, hello, can I help you? And I was like, is this, is this Tanner? You know, which it, it literally said, this is Tanner, like that you're talking to. So I suppose, I don't know why I asked that. It was kind of just my awkward way of starting the conversation. And he's like, yeah, man, how's it going? And I was like, good, good. And he's like, can I help you? Do, you know, do I, do I know you? Um, and I was like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, you don't, but I actually have uh, kind of a weird favor to ask. And he's like, you know, uh-oh. Uh, and he, he made some joke like, oh, is this my girlfriend's other boyfriend? Ha, ha, ha. And I was like, oh, man, you know what? All right, I'm sold. Like, whether the whether the guy gives me the handle or not, I don't care. Like, this, guy, this guy's funny. This guy is cool. He ran an atheist podcast. He still is working in podcasting professionally, which is rad as hell. And, um, and he's funny. He's cool. I was like, this, this guy and I, this guy and me are going to understand each other, you know? So I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And I said, hey, so here's what's, here's the deal. Like, I'm, I've got this show and here's what it's called. And, um, I was really hoping to have, um, that handle that, that you still have, it doesn't look like you're using it. So I was wondering if, if you might be willing to let me have it. And it's uncomfortable, you know, cause like, even though there's a part of me intellectually that's thinking like, well, why shouldn't he let me have it? You know, he's not using it for anything, and I'm trying to be polite in asking, and I was, but, like, it's still, it's uncomfortable, like, asking for someone to give you something, you know, especially when you don't really have anything, 
really to offer in return. Um, and, and he did, he reacted kind of like, oh boy, you know, and he was very polite and very gracious about it. And he kind of acknowledged some of those same things. He's like, yeah, I mean, like on the one hand, I'm, I'm clearly not using it. Um, you know, and I was like, and he's like, the show's not coming back. I've kind of moved on to other things, but he said, you know, I'm just feeling kind of oddly sentimental about it. And I was like, oh dude, I, I totally get that. You know, believe me, I, I told Jesse, I think when I was telling him this story, I was like, dude, I would, I could find like a bookmark in a shoebox that I used in high school. And I would really like tremble at the thought of throwing it away just because I totally get the idea of being sentimental about things. Um, but anyway, he, uh, Tanner and I chatted a bit. He kind of, he's like, well, you know, tell me about your show. And, um, we kind of talked for a bit. It wasn't a long conversation, but it was a, it was a nice talk. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me think about it. And I was like, of course, you know, and, um, we exchanged email addresses and he said, he expressed a couple of things. And this is the reason why I'm telling you guys this whole story. Um, I, I told him at, at that time, I said, you know, yeah, definitely think about it. I said, let me know. And I said, but please, I'm not going to try and like give you the hard sell. You know, I was like, I'm not going to pester you about this. If you say no, that's fine. It's totally your right to, to keep the handle until the day you die and, and whatever. Um, but I said, I, you know, but I would appreciate it. It, it. I would really love to have it. And he's like, okay, cool. So, you know, like a day or so went by and I'm, I'm kind of like anxious and checking my email and, um, he finally emails me back and, um, he says, all right, so I've given it some thought. And um, I've decided to, to let you have the handle. And I was like, oh, awesome. You know, that's a way to not bury the lead. So he, he kind of gave me the good news right off the bat, which was really cool. Um, but then he said, basically, there's just one thing that I want to ask of, of you, basically. Um, and it's something that I thought was very striking because when, we, when he and I were chatting um, initially, he'd, he'd expressed um, a part of his trepidation was that a big, a big reason why he kind of got out of the atheist podcasting game and just, he became kind of, I guess, I, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but this is what I took away from it. He became somewhat jaded by the atheist community. And I totally get where he's coming from and what he means. Um, you know, there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of angry people in the atheist community, people who just want to tear religion down and tear down anyone that, who is religious. And, you know, and there's kind of like a, a superior attitude and smugness about a lot of atheists. Um, and he had expressed, I guess, kind of a trepidation in handing over this Twitter handle to me, I guess, out of, out of fear that like, if I'm one of those people who's just going to be using this Twitter handle to propagate those types of sentiments, you know, like a, an angry atheist type of show, who's just going to, you know, crap all over religion and the religious. And I, and I, you know, I totally get where he's coming from. Um, and so when he decided to, to give me the handle, um, he said, that, I'm going to read this. I hope he doesn't mind. He said, I ask one thing of you. And this is important to me that you all hear this from me as well. Um, he said, please do not be a podcast that judges, mocks, or puts down theists. It was always important to me that theists were seen as intellectual equals, human equals, and worthy of our efforts to engage with them for the sake of understanding one another. I never wanted mudslinging, and I despise the arrogance of many armchair atheists who would dismiss an entire person's intelligence or worth simply because they believed in a god. I hope that you will honor the handle and be a better class of atheist. So that's that's uh, those are those are Tanner's words, and I thought, man, that is that is fantastic. Um, I wanted to pass that sentiment along to all of you, and I wanted to thank Tanner uh, on the air for allowing me to to take over the handle. So I've I've got it; it's official now. He he relinquished the title, um, or the the handle, and um, I, I swooped in there and scooped it up. So you can now find the show at No Godcast. Um, but thank you so much to Tanner for, for his graciousness in uh, allowing us to have that. And thank you so much for the encouragement. 
um, and the words of wisdom. I, I could not agree with his sentiment more. Um, I have said from the very start, and like I'm, I'm guilty of this. We all are, but you know, we all need to try and do our best because really, the purpose of this show is not to suggest that religious people are less than. It's kind of the exact opposite. It's just that I think a lot of religious people see us as being less than, and I don't mean to make that generalization, but there is truth to it. The purpose of this show is not to be an angry atheist. It's kind of the. It's kind of because I want religious people to not see us that way. You know, I want to have good. Um, productive discussions with with um, people of the faith because I want them to see us as as not inherently bad people and it would be wrong and hypocritical of, of us as atheists on so many levels to basically treat believers the way that we are complaining that that they at times have treated us you know it's kind of the whole two wrongs don't make a right thing um, and so there you go um, we've got the Twitter handle I wanted to share that story with you guys um, I told Tanner he has a, an absolutely standing invitation to come on to the show anytime he'd like. I'd love to discuss, you know, theology with him and, and non-belief with him. Um, he's, a, he's a classy guy, and um, we really appreciate the assist. So, uh, without further ado, we'll take a quick break. And by quick break, I mean that I need to transition between segments. So, um, I will um, do that and probably go to the bathroom and whatever. And when you come back... You'll be hearing uh, my atheist story time. We'll be right back. Performance feedback revision and then repeat again. Performance feedback revision and then repeat again. Go tell a friend. Every single strand of DNA in a cell is a masterpiece. Written by genius, not God, not selected naturally. Performance feedback revision. Evolution crafted genes just like mine. So I write rhymes to entice your mind to attract to me. Why? Because my passions just happen get up in your synapses and that makes women want to mate and men want to make strategic ties happen and sometimes women want to make the ties and that's okay I like all right welcome back everybody uh, the song you just heard is performance feedback revision 2.0 by baba brinkman um definitely want to thank him uh he was kind enough to give us permission to feature his music on the show um and we definitely want to point you in his direction if you're interested in hearing more um music.bababrinkman.com uh that's b-a-b-a B-R-I-N-K-M-A-N. Um, Baba is a, a rap artist, a science communicator, and an award-winning playwright based in New York. Um, his music is is all very, you know, atheist-centric and, and science-centric. So um, I've listened to a ton of his stuff. That's the song that I picked um, for today. But I'll, we'll be featuring his music periodically um, in the transitions to the show. So we uh, again, we thank um, Baba Brinkman for giving us permission to do that and hopefully you will go to his website and check more of his music out and support him support atheist artists uh, okay so without further ado atheist story time with me so one of the things that I wanted to get to um, on this episode and it kind of started it, it kind of dawned on me um, not too long after I finished recording the first episode because one of the things as I tossed around ideas of what this show was going to be and, you know, the things that I wanted to do. Um, and I talked with, you know, Troy and some of the other NIA members um, when we were kind of developing the show and what the format was going to be. One of the things that I was really interested in doing um, because of the fact that this is, you know, ostensibly this is a northern Indiana-based show, the, the, the whole area, you know, northern Indiana, Michiana, um, you know, kind of like a Midwestern, northern Indiana-centric show. But really, it's 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 meant to be applicable to anyone, anywhere, you know, but I did still want to find some way to tie it to this locality um, because of the fact that Northern Indiana Atheist is, is my partner um, in, in doing this show and kind of cross-promoting the show. You know, I basically do the show 
for the most part on my own. I, I produce most of it on my own. Um, creatively, I'm I'm pretty much the the sole I guess decision maker. Um, but you know, I'm partnered with Northern Indiana Atheists because for one, we have the same goal, we have the same mission. We both wanted to have a podcast. Um, I wanted to do one. They didn't have one. So uh, in a lot of ways, effectively, it's really just a way for you know for us to help each other out. You know. Um, I want this show to help bring attention to Northern Indiana Atheists, and I want Northern Indiana Atheists to help bring attention to the show because we have the same mission. You know, we have the same goal. Um, so like I said, I, I did want to always make the show um, applicable to to anyone, anywhere in, in the world, you know, to to have there be a lot of content that, that it kind of crosses boundaries um, geographically. But I also did want to have there be portions of it that were specific to to this area because of NIA and because it's where I'm, you know, it's where I'm from um, at the moment. So, yeah, so part of what I had in mind was when we were kind of discussing, you know, myself and the board members, we had kind of like a, like a jam session where we talked about all of this. And I said, well, one of the things I thought about doing was having people on the show, you know, local people, but not necessarily always local people, but with a focus on local people who could come on the show and kind of tell their stories, you know, kind of talk about um, their journey to atheism. Because some it's it's different for everybody, you know. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would find similarities and common ground to how those things happened for them. But, you know, everybody's story is unique. Some people maybe be, became atheists at a very young age. Maybe some people are still in the closet now and, you know, want to come on the show and, and kind of talk about things and, and make it like they're... Um, their coming out party in terms of their non-belief. I don't know. They're, that's kind of, th those are both the extreme ends of the spectrum. But, you know, most people, um, myself included, you know, realized they were an atheist kind of in their developmental years, um, you know, their teenage years through the college years. I think that's where intellectually a lot of people really start to find their identity. Um, you know, those are kind of the, considered the rebellious years. And since most of us who are atheists were, were raised um, within religion within the church or typically Christianity, but it doesn't have to be Christianity. Most of us are, are taught our religion from our families, from our parents. Um, and it's during those kind of rebellious years where we start to, you know, formulate our adult selves, um, you know, in a very, very rough draft form. Um, and that's kind of what happened with me. You know, I, um, well, let me back up because what I was getting at was that I had this idea to, to do this segment for people to come on the show um, with a focus on it being local people to tell their stories about how they came to atheism. <clears throat> and I realized after my first show that I talked about who I am now and what this show is now and, you know, what my motivations are now for doing this show. But it kind of dawned on me like, man, it's a little hypocritical that I'm talking about bringing these people on, you know, and asking for people to volunteer their stories and share these potentially very intimate stories, you know, because a lot of these stories are not going to have happy endings. You know what I mean? Um, I hope that a lot of them do. I hope all of them do. But I'm I'm a realist. Like, I know that a lot of these stories where people um, come out of the closet as as non-believers, they don't end well. They can cause, you know, alienation from their families, from their friends. Um, they can cause a lot of heartache. Um, some people are, you know, basically estranged entirely or, or shunned and altogether, you know, from people who are very important parts of their lives. So it just sort of occurred to me that if I'm going to ask people to come on this show and share those intimate stories with me, um, that it would not be unfair. In fact, I feel like it's almost kind of appropriate and expected that I share my own. Um, 
in terms of my journey to, to non-belief. And first of all, I want to clarify one thing that applies to everybody, in my opinion, and that's uh, the notion that I think I don't like to look at it as, well, how did you become an atheist? I know it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but I don't really care. This is how I feel. I don't think that it's a matter of anybody becoming an atheist. Um, I believe that we are all born atheists. You know, we're all born babies, but, you know, we are not inherently born religious people. You know, we are taught religion. Um, you know, as of right now, my kids are still young enough that they don't have any concept of religion, really, um, because they haven't been taught those things yet. You know, that's kind of how we all start out. That's our default state. None of us are aware of any kind of supernatural or religious, you know, deities or beings until we are taught those things um, by our family and by, by churches and things like that. So when I talk about, quote unquote, becoming an atheist, I guess that's just kind of a it's just sort of an aesthetic way to describe it, but I prefer to think of it more as when did you come back to atheism? You know, when when did you come back to that state before you had these religious constructs kind of um, forced upon you? And I know that makes it sound really unpleasant, but it, it that's kind of what it is. Like these religions are forced upon us as kids when we are when we are not old enough to to question authority, when we are not um, secure enough, you know, in our ability to, to provide for ourselves to question these things. We're not mature enough. We're not intelligent enough. We do what we're told. You know, that's what you do when you're a five-year-old kid and your parents say, we're going to church. Guess what? You're going to church, you know, and that's how it is. So, you know, and then by the time you're old enough to really think for yourself about these kinds of things, a lot of times the fish hooks are just, you know, they're in too deep. Um, and some people just get ingrained um, in those those ways. And that's why, that's why religion has been perpetuated for as many hundreds and thousands of years as it has, because that's just kind of how it works. Um, but, you know, because we live in the age of technology and the age of information, you know, the internet is doing more um, to combat. Um, I, I, I feel bad using the word ignorance because I know that religious people will find that offensive. And frankly, I, I can't blame them, but it's, it's the only word I can think of that's appropriate. The internet has helped fight ignorance in a way never before possible in human history. In a weird way, it's also kind of helping perpetuate ignorance in some other aspects, you know, like you've got the flat earthers and the anti-vaxxers and, you know, morons like that. But whatever, it also has done a lot of good. It's, it's made it a lot easier for people who are questioning their faith to kind of cultivate those doubts and find like-minded people and find, um, you know, reading material and answers to these questions. And that's, you know, that's to be honest, I mean, that's a part of what this show is meant to be, is to reach out to those people and, and kind of have them be able to hear a, re a reassuring voice to say, to say, it's okay. It's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to have doubts about whether or not there's a bearded man sitting on a you know chair in the sky who gets to decide what happens to you after you die. It's okay to ask those questions, and that's part of what this show is for. Um, but I grew up, you know, I grew up in a really interesting situation um, from a perspective standpoint, because I, I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, my, my, my parents raised me, well, my mom raised me Catholic. My, uh, you know, I am sure that my dad, if you really pressed him, would identify as a Christian. But like, I, I've seen my dad in church, you know, like I could probably count the number of times on one hand that I can really recall. And those are all like Christmases or special occasions. Um, and I don't, my dad's not Catholic. So I, I don't think that's something that they ever really <laughs> that was something that was never really uh, kind of made an issue of in my house and not in a negative or a positive way. It just kind of wasn't a thing. My mom was Catholic. She was the one doing a lot of the, the raising where religion was concerned. So that's, that's what, that's how I was raised. Um, but I was raised in kind of a generational, 
period in time where I got a really interesting perspective on how things like the internet impact um, viewpoints in these ways. Because I was raised primarily in the 90s, as I've mentioned before, and that's kind of where the internet really got its start. You know, like the internet was around in the early, early, early 90s, but not it was not widely commercially available until I would say probably somewhere like around 1995, 96, and then moving forward at kind of an exponential rate. So the reason why I think that's kind of an interesting thing that because of my age that I was raised in this kind of um, transitional generation is that I can remember a very distinct portion of my life. And it's almost at this point, I'm in my mid thirties. So it's almost like exactly half and half, right? Like the first half of my life was, was pre-internet um, and pre-age of information and technology. And then the second half of my life is kind of post, you know, and I was there for the whole transition in between. Um, so I was raised Catholic and that's all I knew. That's all I was ever taught. That's all I was ever, you know, led to believe was, was what you did. Um, and that's kind of how it was, you know, you go to church basically every Sunday, every once in a while, there'd be some reason why we wouldn't or, you know, whatever. But for the most part, that was how it was. Me and my brothers and my mom, we all went to church, you know, um, which I remember always sucked because I was a pro wrestling fan and the, there was <laughs> WWF, um, used to be WWF would have, uh, I think it was WWF superstars or something like that. It was on every Sunday at like, um, 10 o'clock and, Church was always like at 10.30, you know, so like we had to leave at like 10, 10 or 10.15 and it would always make me so angry because it, back then I'm like a kid, like I want to stay at home and watch wrestling, you know, and I got to go to dumb church, boring church where I just basically sat there and daydreamed for 60 minutes until it's time to go. But um, yeah, and I, you know, we did, my brothers and I all did uh, catechism classes, you know, which was like Wednesday nights for like another hour where I would have much rather been doing something else, but whatever it is what it is. Um, and I want to take a time out, and I do want to. I, I do want to admit something, okay? Because I want to try and be objective about this, and I want to try and be as fair as I possibly can. I have to admit, it's not all terrible, you know. Um, it's not all nefarious. It's not all with bad intent. It's really none of it's with bad intentions for the most part. You know, I could say a lot of things about the Catholic Church as an institution, but for the most part, as I've always said, I think most people, whether they're religious or not, are just good, decent people. And I believe that's true um, within the scope of the Catholic Church, just as much as it is in, in most churches and most people culturally um, worldwide. So, you know, when you're going to church and when you're going to catechism and things like that, a lot of what they teach you is really just generic morality, right? Dressed up you know, in the theme of Bible stories. And that's something I've always kind of admitted that like, just because I don't believe in God doesn't mean that I reject everything described in the Bible. Like there's a lot of good stuff taught in the Bible. And that's a lot of the stuff that they're teaching us as kids, you know, in church and in catechism and things like that. So I have to admit, just in the sake of fairness, it's not all terrible. It's not all hellfire and brimstone. Like a lot of what they're teaching you is like, you know, Jesus said you should be nice to people and, you know, you shouldn't steal things. And here's a story about that. And, you know, like, the, you know what I mean? Like most of you know the, the bigger stories in the Bible and um, a lot of it's just good old fashioned morality. So, um, but it still sucked. I still hated it. <laughs> and I, you know, I did from a very early age, you know, I was very inquisitive and I was very attentive. And from a very early age, I remember kind of formulating doubts but just not really understanding how or what the purpose would be in expressing those doubts, you know, as I went through things like catechism and as I started receiving the sacraments, you know, you do your um, your first communion, I think, is the first big one, and then you, you do your first confession. And I, you know, I just went through the motions because it's what I was taught to do. 
Um, and then I think it was around the time that I was approaching um, confirmation, which is the big one, right? Like that's where you're like you're like a full-on official like Catholic, you know, like you're basically entering adulthood from a religious standpoint. And I think you usually are confirmed somewhere in the neighborhood of like 14 to 16. I can't remember exactly. But um, I know that there's a lot more preparation for confirmation than there is for the other sacraments. It's like a almost like a year-long thing when you kind of start your pre-confirmation classes and your, your journey and such. And I think that's where I was getting old enough where I kind of started to really put some thought into it. Because as I went to these classes... Um, to prepare for confirmation, they started really talking about, you know, what a big commitment it is and what a serious commitment it is. And you have, you know, you, there's like a big ceremony that you have to get up and you have to like swear, you have to swear this vow, you know, to God and to your priest. And I think even like the bishops typically come for, for confirmation ceremonies, but like, whatever, it's, it's a really big deal. And that was kind of at the point where in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I was kind of at a point where I was ready to accept, like, this is all, this is all bull. Like this, none of this is real. I, I don't honestly believe in any of these supernatural elements to, to Catholicism or to any of it. You know, walking on water, um, you know, the resurrection, the, uh, the virgin birth, like none of that. Like I was like, you know, talking snakes, Noah in the ark. I was like, no, I'm pretty much ready to accept that like these are just stories, you know, and some of them have good points and some of them don't, but they're still, they're just stories. So I was getting to a point Whereas confirmation was approaching and I was taking these classes that I was kind of starting to ask questions in the class that were getting more and more pointed. And I remember my teacher, I won't dime him out like, you know, and say his name, but I remember very distinctly who he was. Um, I asked a question one time that the look he gave me, I'll never forget. And he basically just, he, he didn't even bother trying to start answering. He just asked me to step out. He just told me like, just go wait out in the hall. And I, like, I don't think I remember that he was angry, but he did not like the question. And I remember there was like this playground out in the, the yard where our, our church was. And so I, like, I stood out in the hall for like five or 10 minutes. I don't remember how long it was, but I stood out there like waiting and assuming that he would like come out at some point and like talk to me or like, I could tell that I had done something wrong. You know, I, I wasn't an idiot. I was aware that I had offended him with, with my question. I, frankly, I don't even remember exactly what the question was. But after like five or 10 minutes or so, I was like, man, I don't think he's coming. Like, I think that he pretty much just kicked me out. So I remember like I went outside and just kind of played on the playground. And like, I wasn't a little kid. I was a, like a teenager or a pre-teenager at that point. So I wasn't really the type of age where I would play on playground. But like, what, I don't know, what else was I going to do? We didn't have cell phones back then. Um, so I just kind of hung out like on the slide and, and just hung around until the parents started coming. And I remember you know, eventually, I don't, I, I don't, my, my memory is kind of fuzzy because a lot of times you don't aware that you're having these really significant life events as they're happening. So your brain doesn't really know at that time to really be paying close attention. So I don't remember exactly what the sequence of events was. I'm sure that this teacher probably spoke to my, to my mom, you know, and I'm sure I knew I was going to be in for it. But at the same time, I was kind of ready for it. You know, I would almost kind of say that there might have been a part of me that asked that question of that teacher, almost like spoiling for a fight, you know, because I was kind of at the point where I was ready. Like, I was ready to say, you know what? I dare you. Like, I dare you to get mad at me for asking this question. It's a reasonable question, and I want the answer because you guys are basically telling me that I've got to swear this vow. And man, like, whether I believe this stuff or not, I, you know, I at least respect you enough to not want to get up there and take this vow if I don't, 
if I don't believe it, you know, I, I, I know it sounds backwards, but like, I actually think that would be more disrespectful to get up there and to take this vow knowing that I didn't really mean any of it. Like, Hey, if you guys believe all this stuff, then you guys have your, your ceremony and you guys eat your wafers and drink your grape juice, you know, and whatever, and have fun. But if you want me to get up there and swear an oath, you know, whether I believe in God or not, I, I, I don't want to be inherently disrespectful of your institution. So anyway, that's kind of where I was coming from. So I knew going home that I was going to wind up kind of having to defend myself, but I was ready to do it. You know, I'm a teenager and I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a little know-it-all at this point. And I remember having the conversation again, it's not all a crystal clear memory to me, but I remember having the conversation with both of my parents where they were basically at, at the time just ready to be like, look, this is just how it is. You're getting confirmed. And I was like, um, look, here's how it is. No, I'm not, you know, and my parents, I, I don't know. I, my, I don't know if they'll be listening to this or not. I, I know my mom is for the record, this probably sounds bad, like how I'm explaining all this, but I just want to say unequivocally, my parents are good people. My mom is the nicest, most supportive person in the universe. Um, at the time I, you know, I'm sure that I was a pain in the butt in a lot of ways as, you know, 13 or 14 year old. So I don't want to make it sound as if they're like the evil empire in this story. They're not like they, you know, um, this was, I think the first time they'd probably dealt with something like this from me where I was like legitimately telling them, you know, no, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. And I don't mean like in a, you know, go clean your room kind of way or a finish your vegetables kind of way. I'm talking about like in a really serious, impactful, like life decision-making kind of way where I was like, no, I know I'm a kid. I know I live here. I, you know, I, I'm not quite ready to, to get a briefcase and go work for a living at, you know, whatever, 13 or 14 years old, whatever it was. Um, but I'm not going to do this. And I, I was ready. Like I was ready to get yelled at. I was almost kind of like, pr like proud of being ready for that because I was like, you can yell at, and I remember saying this to them. I was like, you can yell at me all you want. You can be upset with me. I'm sorry. I don't mean this to be hurtful. Um, but I'm not doing it. Like I'm just not. So, you know, your move, holy man, uh, but the, the ball's in your court now. And I don't even remember exactly how it ended. I think at some point they just kind of realized that they kind of understood that, well, yeah, I guess, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to ground him forever? You know, like, no, he's, he says he's not going to do it. And it, I'm sure at some point they could just tell that I was not, I was not kidding, you know, and that, that there was really nothing to be done. So long story short, didn't have to go to catechism anymore. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I still went to church on occasion because it's not like I was at the point at then where I was just like, you know, full-on militant about it. I would still go to church from time to time um, for special occasions, and there were actually times where I would sing. Uh, singing's kind of a thing that I do. So I remember there was there were occasions where I would typically sing, um, like for graduation, for high school graduation, they would do a special mass for the graduates, and I, I would still sing there for you know a couple years after that. Because um, it's like, whatever, I, I decided not to get confirmed, and that was what it was. But I think it just kind of slowly normalized into a thing that we just didn't talk about, <laughs> you know? Um, my other brothers both got confirmed and like, that was fine. Um, but yeah. And then kind of in getting into high school, um, I started more and more kind of being open with the fact that I didn't believe in God. Cause this is, you know, again, it's still considered kind of a taboo thing. Even today, this is like 20 years ago, you know? So it was, and I kind of enjoyed it. If I'm being honest, like I kind of enjoyed being that kid who would be like, yeah, screw that. I don't believe in your God, whatever, you know, smoking my cigarette. I didn't really smoke cigarettes, but I felt like I had like the, the religious equivalent of, you know, a really nasty cigarette smoking habit because I was, I was the atheist. And I remember, um, in my study hall, 
having some pretty heated discussions with people because I'd literally be sitting there um, alone with a circle of people around me kind of like angry at me, like that they were, that I was, you know, um, not going along with the, with the, the script, you know, that I was kind of not. And a lot of these people are people who I've known since kindergarten, you know, people who I went to church with and had catechism class with and, um, you know, it was what it was. So that was kind of how it was. And then as I moved into college, it was, you know, a little bit easier because when you're in college, there's a lot more exposure. And again, like the internet started to become more and more of a thing. And I became more comfortable just self-identifying as an atheist. Um, now here's where things take a little bit of a hard turn. And here's one of the things that I've been really, I don't think, I don't think I've ever spoken about this, um, publicly, certainly not publicly, but I don't think I've really even talked to many of like people who I know about this. There are, there are, I'm sure plenty of people who have heard this story from me, but it's kind of a personal thing. And to be honest, it's kind of just something that I've always felt a little embarrassed about. Um, and you'll understand why in a second, but basically I met a girl, right? That's kind of tale as old as time. Um, I guess in hindsight, I don't really feel any particular sense of shame about this, but it's just, it's uncomfortable to talk about. I met a girl, if she's listening to this for whatever reason, because we're, we're friends, like we're still on good terms. I'll give you the spoiler alert. Like she's, she's a, a wonderful, wonderful person. She was then, she is now. Um, if she's listening and she knows who she is, I, I could not think more highly of you. Um, and that's just kind of how it always will be. This is just like an absolute 110% top quality human being we're talking about. Um, but you know, I was a college kid and I, I met her and I really liked her and she was very religious, you know, and she knew that I was very not religious and we kind of start, got involved anyway, just because that's kind of, we liked each other, you know, and, um, you know, the far, the more serious we got, the more clear it became that this was going to be something that we had to reconcile one way or the other. And I, frankly, I didn't want to not be with her, you know, so I kind of just did, um, I took the easy way out, you know, I, I just decided to give religion another shot. And I've always been on the record in my adulthood as saying that, you know, religion is not something you can decide to believe in. And that's still true. But, you know, when you're young and you're in love, you, you know, you can really, really convince yourself of some pretty significant things. Um, it's just, what can I say? That's what I did. I basically just, we, I remember, I won't get, I won't get too detailed, but I remember we had a big fight about something, um, and my response to it was was basically fear that she was going to break up with me, and so I kind of was just like, you know what, um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start going to church. You know, I'm gonna give this a shot. I've I don't remember how it all exactly happened, but that was kind of the short of it. Is that I started going to church again. I tried really hard to be open minded and accepting of these possibilities. Um, you know, she and I still kind of had conversations about things that I had a really tough time reconciling, like evolution and, and things like that. Um, but I tried, like I started going to church. I went to, um, some Bible groups, you know, to kind of like get some peers and contemporaries to like share their perspectives with me. And I, I swear, like I, I really tried, like it was, it was a sincere thing. Like it wasn't all baloney. Um, I really did want to, I think I was just kind of tired of being the atheist. You know, I'd already kind of gone through that for several years at that point. And it was just getting kind of tiring, like the constancy of being beat up on for that and being looked down on by people for that. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of ready. Like, I'm kind of ready to just try and do whatever I can to force this square peg into a round hole because I really liked this girl. Um, and because I knew it meant a lot to my mom at the time, like she was, she was overcome with, with excitement that I was, you know, going to church again. Um, it wasn't a Catholic church. I, I didn't go quite that far. Um, it was a non-denominational church. And again, 
I kind of referenced this earlier, but like, to be honest, it was really easy to get behind because a lot of what happens at church, especially a lot of these more contemporary new age churches, um, it's just really easy to, to root for, you know, like a lot of it's just morality. A lot of it's just preaching, being a good person and being kind to your fellow man and, and, you know, all of that stuff. So I, when I found this kind of more liberal non-denominational church, um, that she went to, um, and she lived a little ways away from me. So I found one closer to where I lived too. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's get some music. And, you know, there's nice people here. And the sermons a lot of times are basically just, you know, stories about how you can be a good person. And by and large, for the most part, I really, really accepted it. Um, and then, you know, hey, here's how the story ends. Okay. We broke up like sh- shocking. It's college relationships don't always work out. So eventually we, we broke up. Um, and I think after that point, I was kind of like in this really weird position because by the time we broke up, um, we're kind of in the Facebook era at this point. You know, I was on Facebook, she was on Facebook, we had a lot of friends and social network and MySpace, like it was starting to become a big thing. And I had been relatively open about, you know, my, I guess, kind of reconversion to Christianity. And to be honest, it just felt really embarrassing that after we broke up, it was kind of like, well, so what do I just... And I also thought it would be really hurtful to her, even though we didn't break up under the best of circumstances, as most breakups aren't. Um, but I still cared about her. You know, I didn't want to, like, a week after we broke up, be like, by the way, I was still an atheist all along. You know, like, I think in my in my heart of hearts, I always knew that. But I felt like it would almost be hurtful to her to be like, yeah, you know, the last year and a half, two years, or whatever it's been since I started, you know, going to church again, I kind of always knew that it wasn't right. It wasn't for me. And, um, I felt like she would feel very hurt by that. I still literally, as I'm sitting here saying this, like, I wonder if she's going to hear this and what she'll think about it. Like, she's very clearly aware that since then I've come back out of the closet again and been very, very open and upfront about my atheism. But I have to say, like, I really owe her a a great debt because it was, it was because of that. It was because of those years that I kind of spent my time not being totally untrue to myself. Like my personality was basically still the same. I was still the same person. Um, but just, I was not, I was not true to myself in that way. And that's a very big way, you know, that, that I believed in God and I didn't. Um, and it was kind of the big takeaway that I had from that relationship. And those years of my life was that, Hey, like, this is not a good way to live. This is not, you know, like if we weren't meant to be together, like, that's fine. I can, I can accept that. But I can't do, go through that again. You know, like if I'm going to meet someone, it really taught me a lot. It did because it, it taught me like if I'm going to meet someone, I have got to be clear right from the start, you know, exactly who I am and exactly what I am. And I need to like really plant my feet down firmly, not in like a militant way, but just like in a way to say like, look, if you're not okay with me being who I am, then we're not right for each other. You know, and I kind of it, it really um, strengthened me in terms of my resolve and in terms of my character about about atheism. Um, you know, and I dated and whatever, and I was really like, I remember I, I dated one girl, like here's, here's the thing that you can know about me. I detest smoking. Um, I think it's obviously it's, it's very unhealthy and I just, I hate the smell of smoke and blah, blah, blah. So I dated this one girl. Um, and I, I kind of liked her too, you know, but she smoked and like, she smoked a lot. I remember at one point I kind of was like, all right, we'd gone out like maybe three or four times. And I was kind of like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. And, um, it was casual enough at that point that I didn't really figure out to get pressed too hard about the details, but she did. She, she wanted to know, you know, cause she's like, I like you. Why, why can't we see each other? And I was like, I don't really want to, do you really want me to like say why? Cause I was kind of right in this big thing where I was being really militantly honest about things. Um, come hell or high water. And she's like, yeah, I really want to know. And I, um, I said, well, you know, 
you know, you're a smoker and that I'm, I'm really, I, I, I thought maybe I could kind of get past that, but I can't. And she got super offended, you know, like, what? It's you really, it's that big of a deal that I smoke and you know, it's my right to smoke. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It is your right to smoke and it's your right to be offended. But like, it's my right to choose what's important to me and what's not important to me. And I, I, sorry, like the fact that you're a smoker is kind of a big deal to me. You know, like I don't, I don't really see myself, um, feeling like I have the right to ask you to stop smoking because you smoke a lot and you clearly don't want to stop, but I kind of don't want to date a smoker. So that's my prerogative. And that was kind of a liberating thing too. Cause you know, like I said, in the past, I might've just kind of convinced myself that it was going to be okay. And I would have just, I guess for lack of a better phrase, I would have just put up with it um, because I was really bad at, you know, not having a girlfriend. And so if I found someone I liked, that's kind of just, I just went with that. So anyway, um, I had a string of these kind of things, and then I met um, this girl. Oh, it's, you know, just to skip to the end to you guys, this is my wife now. And she was, she was Catholic, you know, she, her family was very Catholic, um, and she was Catholic, you know, but she was always kind of one of those people who was like, I'm Catholic, but like, it's okay that you're not. Like, she was, she was never a judgmental person, and it's kind of because we know now that she's, you know, be, she's an atheist now as well. But, you know, we started dating. I was always very clear about the fact that I was not religious. I was never going to be religious. You know, I really liked her. And the more serious we got, the more I was kind of like, look, like, you, you know, because Catholicism is, is a big deal, like in, in her family. Um, and it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, her and I understand each other. Her and I are fine with this. It was kind of just something I didn't talk about. You know, like it was kind of a don't ask, don't tell type of thing. Um, I was married in a Catholic church, you know, cause that's, I wanted to marry her and she was Catholic. So that's what, that's what you do. I, you know, I was raised Catholic. So it's not like I, I, I knew enough to go through the motions, you know, and I kind of, I guess, convinced myself that it was all right. Cause even though I was kind of doing the whole, you know, accepting the vow and the sacrament of marriage, I was like, well, yeah, but like I was going to marry her under any circumstance. Like I did mean, I did mean everything I said when I married her, but I meant it to her. You know, I was making the vow to her. I was making those those promises to her as my wife. And you know, as far as the God stuff, I was like, whatever. If this is what I have to do to, to, to marry this girl, then that's what I have to do. And that's what I did. Um, and she was a practicing Catholic. I mean, for years, even after we got married, she would go to church. I think there was actually a couple times where she even kind of convinced me to come with her. And I, was, I would always be really honest about it. I'd be like, look, this isn't going to change anything. But she would kind of just be like, well, I just kind of would like the company. You know, I'd like not to go alone. So I would go with her just to kind of, to, to, you know, to keep her company and to be there with her. Because she moved out here. We moved out here from a separate area. So we were out here by ourselves. She had no one to go with. And she's my wife, so I went with her. But then kind of slowly over time, and I guess I could probably, I don't want to veer too much into the, the arena of telling her story because maybe at some point she'll want to come on the show and, and talk about that for herself. But um, I remember I was watching the movie Religious. Um, it's a documentary for any of you who haven't seen it. Watch it right now. It's amazing. It's, it's very entertaining and it's pulpy and it's funny. Um, it's um, a documentary done by Bill Maher, the guy from um, Politically Incorrect, um, I think it's, it's on HBO, and he used to have a show on, I think, NBC, but that got canceled. Anyway, he did this documentary, and it was so good, and I remember she was kind of doing something else while I was watching it, and I was just laughing and having a riot because it's a great um, kind of, it tastes really good going down, you know, and she watched it, and she kind of started like to laugh at some of the points where he was kind of making points that sort of emphasized the silliness of some of, you know, organized religion, and I kind of started noticing that, and I remember, like, after we watched that movie, 
that's where we started having, I think, the conversations that became her journey towards non-belief, you know, where she started to kind of, she was always very open-minded and liberal, I think, politically speaking, you know, which in a lot of ways didn't jive with Catholicism in terms of like her support of the LGBTQ community and, and things like that. So anyway, yeah, we watched this movie and she kind of started to come around and gradually she started feeling more comfortable asking these questions. And at some point, I don't remember exactly when it was, she was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of with you, hon. You know, like I, I think that I'm an atheist. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But I'll try not to pretend to be too excited about it. So that's kind of right around the, the time where I knew she was, you know, with me. That's, I think, what gave me the courage and the confidence I know I'm like being really self-congratulatory here by saying courage and confidence and things like that, but that's kind of where I, I kind of was like, you know what? I had always kind of held on to this embarrassment of these years that I'd kind of gone back to Christianity and I felt I didn't want to, you know, be a flip-flopper and all that, but I was like, you know what? I got to come out with this. I got to come clean. I got to be who I am. And it was uh, right around that time that I started seeking out um, Facebook groups and support groups and things like that. And that's where I found the group where I wound up meeting a lot of the people who are now um, in Northern Indiana Atheist, Troy and, and, and people like that. Um, yeah, and then slowly but surely, I would start to post things on my Facebook. I don't know that I ever did like a big, like, guess what? I'm an atheist. Because like I had already done that when I was 16. You know, a lot of people who I hadn't been in touch with through my college years, as far as they were concerned, I was never not an atheist, you know? So it felt disingenuous to do like a big coming out of the closet thing. It was kind of a soft launch, you know? I just kind of slowly but surely started sharing more links and posting more status updates where I would kind of, you know, be open and candid about my criticisms of religion and my non-belief. And then it just kind of came to a point where I was like, look, this is pretty much how I am now. You know, I'm, I, I've been this way for a while. I've pretty much been this way forever, but I'm, I'm going to be open about it now. And that's, that's kind of where things started, you know? And the rest of the story I told you last episode as far as what brought me to this show um, and my atheist, you know, activism and things like that. Um, but that's it. That's it, guys. That's my story. Uh, I hope you hope you enjoyed it. Um, it was a, gosh, I, f- I feel good. I feel cathartic. You know, that was... <laughs> I hope that wasn't too personal or too... too I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure that there's some parts that I left out. Nothing that really changes the narrative. But, you know, I, I don't want to... Like I said, I don't want to portray you know, my parents or, or anyone else who's kind of appeared in this story as bad people. No, no, there's, there's no one in this story that I have any issue with. Um, everyone is entitled to believe what they believe. I think that by and large, I was raised in a, in a very good moral, um, upbringing, you know, and whether I have issues with, with Catholicism or not, I was, I was raised in the church and the church is for better or worse where I got my morals. You know, what I take issue with is the notion that church is where you have to go to get your morals. You know, there are plenty of cultures worldwide. You know, you've got Hinduism, you've got Buddhism, you've got, you know, the various different religions in Africa and the tribal beliefs um, of uh, the First Nations people. Like the, one of the issues, and I'm sort of going off on another tangent, but like one of the issues I've always had was like, well, Noah, you know, you, yeah, okay. You always say you think you're a pretty decent guy. And I think I am. They're like, well, but how were you raised? Ah, checkmate, you were raised Christian, and you have good morals, and even though you pretend you're an atheist now, you got your morals from Christianity. I'm like, yeah, I I did, that's true, but I could have just as easily been taught those morals without being taught that snakes can talk, you know, and that women can become pregnant without having sex with, like, you know, I could have been taught those morals if I had grown up in China. I could have been taught those morals if I was raised in Switzerland or Sweden, where there's, you know, a really, really high rate of um, atheism and agnosticism. So, yes, 
I, I, and I, and I gave credit where it's due. I was raised within the church. Um, my, my priest growing up for all intents and purposes was a very good, nice man. He does, you know, he's not the type that, you know, like, it's not like most priests are pedophiles. Let me just call it right out for what it is. You know, it's, it's terrible. It's awful. It's something, it's one of the biggest issues that I have with religion. If not the biggest issue I have with organized religion is the sexual abuse. Um, but that doesn't mean that every priest is a terrible person and who wants to molest kids. My priest was a very normal guy. I was an altar boy. So like I spent time, you know, at the church more or less alone with, with the adult, you know, the members of the, of the clergy and the, the deacons and things like that. And I never experienced anything other than good, honest people as far as I was aware. And that's, that was how it was. But just the older I got, the more I realized that it was all baloney and from there, you know, there were bumps along the way, you know, with my parents, with my catechism people, um, with, with friends in high school, with, you know, romantic relationships that I've had. Um, yeah, there have definitely been bumps. But at this point, I'm a full-grown man. I'm very comfortable with who I am. Clearly, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to a microphone, telling my story to anyone in the world who wants to hear it. Um, but I wanted to share that with you guys. I felt like it was something that you all deserved to know. I'm asking you to trust me with your stories, and it would have been wrong of me to say, well, you, but you can't have mine. So I tried to kind of um, give you guys as much detail as I could without overexposing the privacy of anyone else who kind of appears in the story, either directly or non-directly. But that, there you go. That's my story. That's how I became an atheist for the second time. I guess for the third time, because if I was born an atheist and then I came out in high school and then I kind of re-came out, um, you know, post-college, yeah, I yeah, I guess I just really can't make up my mind. Uh, really, I always knew what my mind was as soon as I was old enough to make it up for myself. But um, don't worry, there will not be any more um, conversions in my future. Um, this is it for me. They say there are no atheists in foxholes, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really plan on being in any foxholes anytime soon, but this is it for me. This is, this is it. So, okay, let's move on. And by let's move on, I, of course, mean let's take another quick break. Um, you can hear a little bit more music from Baba Brinkman. That's music.bababrinkman.com, B-A-B-A-B-R-I-N-K-M-A-N. That's Baba Brinkman. Um, and we'll be right back with our interview with um, the co-founder of Mixed Fabric, Chad Gripe. Living things only seem designed because you can't see how they're being revised. And the feedback lies in evolution's brutal gaze. Either you have babies who have babies or get booed off stage. But I ain't evolution slave, just like you. I like to get laid. We can choose not to reproduce in this contraceptive age. Performance feedback, revision, repeat again. Performance feedback, revision, repeat again. Performance feedback, revision, repeat again. All right, hey guys, we're back. Um, joining me on the show now is the uh, the proprietor uh, of Mixed Fabric. I'm, I'm hoping that's the correct word or close enough anyway. I, I Chad Kripe. Yeah, I guess it's the right Welcome. word. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show, Chad. Thank you for having me, Noah. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So, yeah, so is that right? Like, what would you be your official title with Mixed Fabric? I guess co-founder, and I would go with co-founder. I, I have a partner. That sounds very dignified. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know that uh, dignified is what we're going for, but we don't really have titles. So sure. But yeah, so you've got a, you've got a partner. So it's yeah. So you're the co-founder. Yep. Excellent. And proud sponsor of this show. Proud sponsor of There Is No Godcast. That, that excites me to, 
it excites me to no end. Well, hey, I'm here to excite you, Chad. That's that's what I'm here for. So, um, so we've got you on the show for a couple different reasons, and we'll start with um, well, we're already talking about mixed fabric, so I just want to say for one, thank you for sponsoring the show. I certainly appreciate that. We're happy to have Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, now, one thing I wanted to get get out of the way right off the bat, I love the name. And it's it's subtle, and I think it's genius. And I just wanted to ask you, for anyone listening who might not catch the reference, um, could you go ahead and explain the the meaning behind the name and kind of the um, the purpose behind naming the company Fix, Mixed Fabric? Sure. When we started thinking about this business, we're thinking what to call it, and my co-founder lobbed Mixed Fabric at me. I got it immediately because it's brilliant. There is a reference somewhere in Leviticus. I don't have the exact reference off the top of my head, but it says that anyone who wears a garment made with mixed fabrics should be stoned to death. That is Levitical law. Right. Uh, so it's it's a subtle um, just reference to the Old Testament law that people like to go to Leviticus for certain things. Uh, but they forget about so much, right? Because like it's it's basically like it's it's sort of a middle finger, right? But like a really subtle one, and I love that because on the face of it, mixed fabric is a totally innocuous sounding name, you know. Like, um, I I wouldn't think that a lot of people, even among believers, would even really realize that it's kind of a dig, you know. At yeah, at, uh, I yeah. was yes, because it's one of my favorite things to reference when I'm arguing with people about you know, how homosexuality is a sin or how, you know, like basically like all the things that like your um, Westboro Baptist church type of people complain about. And I'm like, really? Like that's that big of a deal? Like according to the Bible, people who wear mixed fabric ought to be stoned to death, you know, but you, you've got these kinds of really extremist religious groups that just kind of cherry pick which things to get really butthurt about and which things like wearing mixed fabric, they just ignore entirely. Right? Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're going with. Um, like, yes, we've all heard believers of some stripe who have pointed to Leviticus saying, see, God condemns homosexuality. Like, well, right. God condemns bacon. So, right. But bacon is a less good name for a T-shirt company. So was that was that the runner up? Bake, just bacon. Honestly, I think it might sell better. But <laughs> it, it might. It It says less about who we are. So. With like no lead-ins, no qualifiers, just name the company Bacon, straight up. I really think it would be hard to uh, land in the top 20 even of uh, Google search for Bacon, so had to make know. some you decisions. Maybe something there. Bacon, proud sponsor of the There Is No Godcast. <laughs> I like it. I love it. So hey, so how, so, so give me, a, we're going to do your... Um, atheist story time in just a minute, but give me the mixed fabric origin story. Give me like the broad strokes. How did this company come about? Sure. Yeah. I started thinking about it. Uh, I'm going to say a couple of years ago after I read two reports that were released roughly around the same time. One was a report by the Pew Research Center, which is a reputable, um, data collecting firm. Um, okay. Um, thank you for explaining that. Cause I was actually going to ask just to make sure I understood what the hell it was myself. Right. right. No, Pew is, Pew is established. It's, uh, it's probably center right leaning, but it's respected by everybody. Um, sure. Fair enough. And this, this report said that 22% of Americans 
identified as nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S, not the Catholic variety. Um, and by, by nuns, they mean they don't affiliate with any religion whatsoever. So while certainly right. a, a percentage of those people do believe in some sort of higher power, um, that nuns category also includes agnostics, atheists, um, just people who don't associate with any church right. or any religious tradition. Uh, so, and that, and that number is growing, right? Like it, it is absolutely year, growing. This, that report was released. Oh man. I want to say 2015, 2016. Um, so set that there. Um, the other report I read was a study published in a journal that found that people trusted rapists more than they trust atheists. So it was just that, which is concerning for all kinds of reasons, obviously very much so. Um, and the study probably had some methodological problems, um, but it's still true. And it, it hits us, you know, we see it all the time. You talked about it uh, in your last podcast, um, that there is a stigma to being an atheist, um, that it's, it's hard for many people to come out and say, yes, I'm an atheist. Uh, for many people right. that would, they would lose their family. They'd lose their jobs. Um, so, but there's sure. but so there's, much so much so that according to at least one study, it's preferable to be a registered sex offender than it is to be openly atheistic, right? Exactly. So, so as I'm as I was thinking about this, and as I was uh, talking with my co-founder, um, we thought, why not put together a company that sells shirts for for people like you know you and I who can because of who we are, where we are in life, we can be a little bit more open about what we believe. But there are so many people, like we were just talking about, who can't come out and say it, but they can still right. wear something that says, I'm skeptical. Shirts like that. I want to hit, you know, that 22%. I want to have product for everybody. So right. you want to wear a shirt that says, I'm an atheist? Great. I'll have a shirt that says that. You need something that's more subtle? I'll have that too. But what we need to do is build a community of unbelievers. Right, right. I mean, it could. I mean, even a shirt that just said "mixed fabric." We just kind of talked about the subtlety of that. You know, would right. be like a real kind of sort of flying under the radar way to sort of you know. But like most most atheists would probably understand that reference probably better than a lot of Christians would. You know, and would kind of see that shirt and be like, "Okay, you're one of us." You know, and it's kind of a nice way, I think, for someone to express themselves without necessarily having to put that, you know, stigma bullseye on their forehead, uh, as it were. What do you, I mean, do you agree with that? I absolutely agree. And that's why I'm going to have, you know, we'll have shirts across the board. Uh, my personal right. favorite, because um, we talk about the stigma that atheists face, uh, there is a, a running joke in atheist communities that believers think that atheists eat babies. So <laughs> right. my favorite shirt will always be the one that says, I don't eat babies. Let's just, let's just call it right out <laughs> right. For, for what it is. Right. I don't. Well, that's great. So what kind of, um, what kind of schedule are you guys looking at at this point? I know that when, when I first released the episode of the podcast, you guys were real close to having the website up. Um, what kind of timeline are you guys looking at in terms of actually coming to market and, and being able to take orders? I would say we are, uh, 
we're still really close. And I'm excited that you asked because I'm going to announce this here, but I will let you announce, but I will let you announce when it actually happens. We're putting together a Kickstarter uh, that we hope to have live in about a month. I would say within the next week, as of right now, January 9th, we will have our Facebook page up and running. It'll be previews. Um, I encourage anybody listening, come like the page. Let us know which designs you like, what you're interested in. Uh, But we are going to open with a Kickstarter to get everything going uh, with good prices and really fun rewards. Um, And we're kind of so. This is breaking news. Like this, you heard it here first. You absolutely, you absolutely heard it here first. Awesome. So yeah, well, everyone will keep your eyes out for that Kickstarter. It's not because yeah, as Chad referenced, it's right now we're recording. Today is January 9th, but I'm sure that it won't be. Um, this won't be the day that the, the, uh, episode is published, but, um, so hopefully by the time anyone is listening to this, we'll be even closer, um, to that website being, um, fully ready to go and the Kickstarter being ready to go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you can count me in as a, as a supporter. Are you, do you have like things in mind already, like different levels of contribution for the Kickstarter? If, if you can give any examples. Well, there's going to be the, people's appetites. Sure. There are going to be the obvious bundles. You know, buy a couple of shirts and we'll throw in a few other things. We have stickers. We've talked back and forth on a number of things and haven't nailed quite everything down. I can say this. We will have a limited edition shirt that will only ever be available on the Kickstarter. It's designed by a local atheist uh, here in northern Indiana, um, an artist. And it's going to be a great shirt. Um, and it will only be available on the Kickstarter. So, that's awesome. That's a great idea. You're smart, Chad. Uh, thank you, Noah. <laughs> or wait, or was that someone else's idea do you, that you want to give credit for? Or do you want to just take take it all? No, I think that was my idea. All right, then just soak it all up. Just. <laughs> just, just... All right, so that's great. Uh, so hey, everybody, just a, just a reminder, just to cap, just to put a bow on this mixed fabric. Um, our sponsor, our one and only sponsor. We're so, so appreciative of everything that you're doing to, to support the podcast, um, Chad, and everybody at Mixed Fabric. So everybody listening, go check them out. Check them out on Facebook, Mixed Fabric, um, just like it sounds. Check out their website, mixedfabric.com, and um, certainly tune in to future episodes of this show where we will keep you updated on the progress of things like the Kickstarter um, and all of that. So we will move on. Um, as you and I talked about before we came on air, we had you on the show for two reasons. Number one, um, mixed fabric and obviously, um, the company's affiliation with this show, but number two, you're an atheist, right? Like you're one of us, you're a member of the club. Um, you and I have been friends for several years and I, I won't rehash too many of the details cause it's a very similar story to why Troy and I know each other. Sure. Um, you and I both are, are mutual acquaintances through a, a Facebook group, yep. um, for local atheists and skeptics. So we've kind of always known each other that way. God, I, Chad, I love the hell out of you, man. I don't know that there was ever a time that I didn't love the hell out of you. Um, I remember I came to an event down in Goshen and I think it was the first time that Molly and I had ever been anywhere in person for any kind of atheist event. And you were there. And I remember just right off the bat, I was like, man, this guy is rad as hell. So was that the that, car- I'm not was telling that you that the- for any other reason. Was that the, was that the, uh, cards against humanity night? Yes. Yes, yes it was. Yeah. I remember that night. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. So, it was. so I've known Chad for a few years 
And um, yeah, so obviously I knew when I developed this show that I was going to want to have you on here. Um, and that was before the Mixed Fabric sponsorship even really came up. So we're, we're doing Atheist Storytime. This is a big thing that I want to do on this show is really feature local atheists and agnostics and kind of hear their stories, you know, to kind of, I don't know, to inspire other people, to bring comfort to other people, to just hear that they're not alone. And I remember you told me, like, I, I'd really like to tell my story. I think a lot of people um, will find common ground in what I went through. So without further ado, I'm just going to turn the floor over to you, Chad. Take it away. What's your story? Oh man, I'm I'm hoping I'm I'm envisioning right now organ music. Do you know why? Why? When I was growing up as a very conservative evangelical fundamental Christian, every Sunday night on the radio, we would listen to a radio program called Unshackled. And there was very dramatic organ music. So that's sort of what I heard in that that pause, like, as you say, turn it over. Here's your story. Um, yeah, no pressure. Just, just go, just, (laughs) just entertain us. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was raised in a fundamentalist Baptist church. We were the, you know, at church all of the time. I grew up believing that I would go into the ministry. And so when I graduated from my, evangelical high school. I went to one year of Bible college and I went to a conservative Christian college, um, graduated in three years. I started seminary almost immediately. I completed my master's at a conservative evangelical seminary. And so you were not messing around. You no, were not no, just man. like, oh, yeah, I was raised religious. You were like full on like ready to take the full plunge. on half a degree from seminary. Now, there there was a thing where I uh, was so young and in most churches, there are three job options. You can be a senior pastor, you can be a youth pastor or you can be the music pastor. Well, I'm not great at music, certainly not trained in it. And I don't like kids that much. I mean, my own are great, uh, but other people's, you know, case by case basis. So I get it. But I want to go back to uh, sort of the origin story, I guess, of why I went to seminary in the first place. Um, When I was, let's say, six or seven, but probably six, there were some missionaries who came to my church. And I actually have a memory of like walking down the aisle at the end of that presentation and telling them that when I grew up, I was going to be a missionary and everybody in the church saw that. And for the rest of my formative development years, everybody repeated that message to me. Like, Oh, I remember you said you're going to be a missionary. And you know, later it became, yeah, I, you know, I'm just so proud of you. You're going to go into the ministry. Dude. I never thought about what I was going to do when I was in high school. I never had to. You know, didn't have to think, right. oh, I, what am I going to do with my life? I obviously know, duh. This is yeah, uh, that Mad Lib got filled in when you were like six years old. Exactly. And then was like reified continually. So, right. yeah, obviously I go and uh, get my degree from a Christian college. I start I started seminary actually the next week uh, after graduating. And then I get out of seminary and, you know, I'm involved in a what would be considered a mega church in Grand Rapids. Um, you know, it's a sizable church. We were involved in so many things. 
Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm getting experience with a lot of different things. And there came a point when through it's a very long story, but made the decision to pause that life plan and pursue a degree in English. And it was sort of at that point where, okay, I'm no longer pursuing a career in the ministry. I am now going to turn my attention away from that, that so many questions I had had that I had suppressed started bubbling up. Like I had like what? Give a, give us a couple examples of some of those. Uh, sure, questions. the existence of hell is is the biggest one. Um, sure, I had struggled with that for a while, but again, these are questions that you're supposed to have answers to when you're in the ministry. Sure. So I had the canned answers, but I, on an emotional level, I had suppressed those. So they started bubbling up, and I started. I started asking questions that needed to be asked that I had never let myself ask before. And it was a fairly short process from there as, as I started letting myself think those questions, but letting myself feel through the answers. I was like, yeah, no, this uh, whole church thing is uh, not for me. So, so when you um, say I, when you say it didn't take very long, I mean, we're talking about like a, a matter of like days or weeks or months, like it. Like, it well, no, I would I would space it out over the course of a couple of years. Okay. Where I, I my process was probably along these lines. I no longer believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God. So if it's not divinely inspired, then what is it? Okay, I don't really even know how to answer that. And, you know, there was a lot of confusion for a while. But had I been raised in a more allegorical tradition, who knows? I may still consider myself a believer. But like, you know, like you talked about in the last Godcast, like you and Troy talked about, like there are, there are ranges of what we can call ourselves. And I... I stopped being an evangelical Christian and became, you know, one of the the nuns again, N O N E S, uh, one of the the people who were unaffiliated. I I went to grad school in English for a couple of years and I attended a Quaker meeting that I absolutely loved because they didn't care if you were atheist or not. It was just more about people being together. And, you know, we've, we have found in northern Indiana, there are religious communities that we can work very well with. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, you know, and I've always maintained, um, you know, that really it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what your religion is or, or, you know, any religion at all, that, that most people, regardless of their religious beliefs, are just good people. They're just good, normal, everyday people, the majority of people, you know. So, yeah, I've, I've tended to find that there are a lot of religious allies, a lot of people who, even though they'll say, look, I still believe in God, but it's, you know, you don't, and that's cool. Like, that, that's that's how a lot of people are, you know, but it's it's the ones who are really uncool about that kind of stuff that kind of make it tough um, for the rest yeah. of us, yeah. you know. So, like, at what point, you know, so, you, so you've so you gone through these experiences, you've had this kind of, you know, um, atheist awakening over this several-year period in college. At what point that you had kind of made up your mind um, did you start, I mean, cause obviously you've got family, you've got, I'm sure plenty of close friends in your life who were expecting you to 
come out of seminary, you know, and basically be, you know, Pastor Chad or, or I'm not sure exactly what the um, title would be with Baptists, but yeah, that yeah, that would have been right. So how would they? How did this news wind up getting broken to them? Like, how did this come about that you were like, look, I've made up my mind not to do this, and how did that go? Well, it'll probably be when they hear this Godcast. Oh no, are you serious? Uh, yeah, more or less. Um, it's not something I talk with my family about. I, I have never come out to them and said, hey, so that God that you believe in, that you love dearly, that means everything to you. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. Wow. Um, but like, I'm, sh- I'm sure certainly they must have asked you questions between then and now in terms of, you know, why you you know, ne- never became a missionary or why you never, you know, continued your um, religious education or your, your studies in the seminary. Oh, like- sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I think my family understood, you know, the decision to pursue an English degree instead, you know, and that, that was a decade. Well, nah, eight years or so after I even graduated from seminary. Mm-hmm. So, so, you, you know, they so were you tended to just kind of lean on that, just be like, you know, English was kind of more, more my preferred area of study as it turns out. And they always just kind of accepted that. Yeah. I was actually surprised about that, um, that they understood that as readily as they did, because you know, that story that had been told me all my life in fairness, my parents weren't necessarily the ones who were pushing that story. It was more of the broader church community. I was part of sure. My parents were totally fine with me deciding to go into English. Um, they're less thrilled about me not going to church, but right. So, do you think maybe there's a part of them that kind of suspects or already knows, you know, and then just doesn't, just maybe just doesn't want to know? I'm sure they do. It's just, I'm sure that they do. I just, they don't ask questions. Right. I mean, so certainly um, at this point, I mean, you're a fairly, I guess I would consider to be a fairly outspoken atheist. Um, it, it was shocking to me to hear you say that there are people who might listen to this show and have that be the first time um, that they had ever known definitively that you're an atheist. Cause I mean, you're pretty involved, you know, like with, with the local groups and, and the various forms of activism. And I mean, you know, mixed fabric itself is, um, you know, a, kind of a big example of your participation in the non-belief community. Um, how have you been, I mean, have you ever faced any kind of situations where you've been the subject of, you know, discrimination or backlash or stigmatization? I would say not really. I don't think that, I mean, I, I'm a freelancer, um, professionally I'm established in the town I live in. Um, I would say most people who know me outside of, you know, from growing up or, you know, through family or whatever, most people that I spend any time with on a day-to-day basis, um, know that I do not believe in God, that I don't go to church. And the town I live in is, is fairly liberal, so right. it's, it's, it's accepted. It's not, a, it's not a big deal. So I've been, I've been luckier than some, but uh, I have, we have mutual friends, you know, who can't come out and say, yeah, I'm an atheist. So I've been fortunate in that sense. Sure. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> So I mean, is there is there anything else that you wanna that you wanna add? Oh, I'm sure there will be, but no, not really. Well, then there you go. That's that's Chad's story. Um, really appreciate you coming on here and sharing it with us, Chad. I'm I'm I hope it goes over well for you. I can't imagine that most of the people who would be 
terribly surprised to hear this news. Are I can't imagine they're going to be listeners of this show. So I, I think your secret is safe with us. <laughs> you know exactly. Um, and if it's not, it's not. So it, so it goes. Well, that was really cool of you to come on here and do that. You know, I I really appreciate that, and I certainly hope nothing negative comes of it. But um, just the same, we appreciate the sponsorship, and I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story, Chad. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me talk. And again, I fully support this Godcast and your work, and I love the hell out of you, dude. Oh, shucks. We'll come back on the show anytime. I'll take you up on that. All right. Yeah, we'll get you back on here. So there you go. Um, the definitive Chad Kripe interview. All right, guys, and I think that about wraps it up for this week. Um, I just want to remind everybody, if you're enjoying the show, if you like the show, please make sure you rate and review us on iTunes if that's where you're listening to us, um, really wherever you're listening to us. If there's any mechanism by which you can you know, let that platform know you're enjoying the show or write a review or give us a rating, um, we really appreciate that. Um, you can find us on Twitter at NoGodCast. Uh, you can send us an email. There is no Godcast at gmail.com. Check us out at our website, www.thereisnogodcast.com. Definitely don't forget about our partner organization, Northern Indiana Atheists. Uh, you can check them out at their website, northernindianaatheist.com, or you can certainly find them on Facebook. Be sure to support that organization, guys. If you haven't already joined, um, please do. It's, it's, it's very, very little cost, um, and it's a great organization to support. And don't forget, it is a nonprofit. I actually had a listener um, point out to me, and it's an excellent point, that we're coming up on tax season. Um, so anything that you donate, anything that you give financially to the organization, I believe even including your membership, um, should be tax deductible um, if you itemize your deductions. Uh, anything you do this year certainly won't um, be relevant for this tax season, but just don't forget, it, it is an officially registered 501c3 charity. Um, so anything that you donate to them to support them, um, it's tax deductible. So, I mean, what do you got to lose? Loosen up, loosen up them purse strings, guys. Uh, don't let me down on this. NorthernIndianaAtheist.com or find them on Facebook. And we will see you guys back here in a couple of weeks. Don't stop not believing. That's my new catchphrase. What do you think? See you guys next time. <laughs>